and here we go another episode of the design 30 podcast coming at you right off the top i want to give a thank you to our sponsor of the podcast viper outdoor tools also just want to let people know that i did a design review of the camp trowel that i designed with viper outdoor tools that is up on youtube Uh, there is a short version if you just want to get a quick glimpse i compare it to three other trowels from rei i also have a longer version of that design review that is also up on youtube which is like 26 minutes if you uh, are into that sort of thing so yeah make sure to stay uh, tuned in to the design 30 youtube as i will hopefully be posting more and more things up there And with that, uh, let's dive into this episode. This is part two, the solution. And it's part two of our design more, despair less uh, little mini series that I'm going through right now. And last week, you hopefully listened to the episode that was discussing the problem and I'll admit it was a little bit depressing. I was uh, a little bit depressed myself, just focusing so much on all the negativity that I think a lot of us end up seeing all over social media and in the news and how everyone tends to sensationalize all of these different problems with the world and the world is coming to an end and we're all doomed. Yeah, all that sort of fun stuff. Um, so hopefully this episode will be a little bit more cheery, uh, exciting, and positive. Um, so yeah, that's the goal. So again, this one is called The Solution. So what is the solution to avoiding all of the doom and gloom of all of these problems we face in the world today? I think the solution is better framing. So instead of looking at these as catastrophic end of the world problems, it's, you know, kind of a simple shift, but looking at it more as opportunity. And I know that sounds really cliche, but I think it's actually a mindset and a little bit of a, uh, you could say a posture towards the world that there's a lot of opportunities out there for each of us to accomplish something incredible and impressive and world-changing in in some cases. Um, I think opportunity is the potential for adventure. And deep down, I think it's been shown, uh, you can see just with how we like or how much we like movies and books and all these things, there's this kind of deep desire for adventure. And I think we all have a desire to be the hero of our own life adventure. So... In my opinion, we should all be working to teach, encourage, raise, and educate heroes. So you want to raise people in such a way that they believe they can be the hero of their own life adventure. And I think that's incredibly pertinent to a lot of the problems and issues that we're facing in right now in the present, but also coming down the line. And we need to... Be thinking of a little bit longer term as far as 
what type of people are we raising in the next generation? How are we educating them? Uh, what kind of person are we <laughs> raising in ourselves? To to use kind of that same terminology, how are you teaching, learning, encouraging yourself, educating yourself to be able to solve uh, these difficult problems? Uh, and so, what does it mean? What do I mean by this? What do I mean by raising heroes? And how can it actually be accomplished? So, in this context, I would say a hero is somebody who has the desire, number one, the discipline, and also the ability to solve complex problems. And they're also someone who actually chooses and is willing to try. And that's a big part of it. It's, you know, a lot of these are big problems and it's going to be a, you know, a difficult pill to swallow to actually try and solve them. So there are people who are willing to give it a shot. They're willing to take a risk. And risk is always associated with adventure. You know, risk is the unknown. It's you know often ends in the belly of the beast with these you know you have to slay the dragon to use some of this uh, common terminology uh, from stories and and uh, the hero's journey things like that. But how do we actually teach this in the context of design? Since this is, after all, a design podcast, if you hadn't caught on to that yet. Um, so we need to reframe these uh, problems into opportunities and then teach uh, the skills and develop the abilities of the people we're teaching to actually attempt real solutions. Uh, so first of all, how do we reframe these problems? So. To explain my take on that, I'm just going to actually run through some common uh, big problems going on in the world and just give a little bit different context or reframing or just a little bit more positive spin potentially on them. So number one, you're probably all waiting for this, is climate change. Yes, uh, climate change, you probably hear that word almost every day it seems like, at least if you're reading the news, which... You know, if you're staying off social media and not reading the news, you might be happier. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That might not be a bad strategy. But so with climate change, you can look at it as this opportunity to change the world forever, uh, potentially in a good way or potentially in a bad way if you come up with a bad solution. Um, but you can change the world forever by designing a more efficient way uh, or a more efficient form of energy that's an alternative to fossil fuels. And I don't think you need to demonize fossil fuels in any way. I mean, we use fossil fuels for so much more than uh, electricity generation or for powering our cars. I mean, we're gonna need fossil fuels going forward for all of these other applications, plastics being you know, probably at the top of that list. Uh, so you can look at it with this idea that you don't have to bring down another industry of fossil fuels and things, coal, things like that, but that this is going to be, uh, it's going to be something that we need to find uh, more ways of generating energy. That's uh, just, it's maybe it's not going to happen as soon as some people think, um, but it's going to be needed at some point. And if you can develop a more efficient way to uh, create the energy electricity that runs potential electric cars, things like that, it's also going to be very lucrative and potentially something you can expand throughout the world and help bring some of these other 
countries that are more in a developing stage up to a higher standard of living. So really there's this entire cascade of opportunity that comes from this. Uh, One right off the top of my head is batteries. Uh, It's a big thing right now, obviously, with Tesla and electric vehicles and looking at wind energy and solar energy and all these things that generate electricity. And we need some way to store that because it's not always sunny and it's not always windy. So battery technology uh, is going to be a huge area of innovation. And that's been said for a lot of years, but we really haven't had a breakthrough in quite a while. So there's a huge opportunity right there. And how can we build these batteries without using elements that are mined in third world countries and that you have all these human rights violations and it's actually really bad for the environment because they're often mined in countries that have zero regulations on what you can do. So there's a lot of challenges just in this realm of batteries that need to be solved. A lot of problems that need to be solved. A lot of opportunity to make an impact on the world. So there's just so much opportunity for improving the world for so many people. I mean, this goes way beyond the United States or whatever country you're living in. It, you know, it really will fan out to the entire world um, for good or for bad. I mean, bad solutions here coming up with a, a bad answer for these problems is going to impact potentially a lot of people all around the world. Uh, another problem staying on this uh, theme of energy is designing safer nuclear reactors. Uh, what about a reactor that instead of overheating and blowing up and or melting down, it actually just shuts itself down. And thankfully, these already exist. Thanks to physics and really smart people, there are nuclear reactors that as they overheat, they actually slow the reaction down and shut themselves down. Uh, but a lot of people don't know that. So there's a lot of public education that probably needs to be improved. Uh, we need to figure out ways to utilize all of the spent fuel rods. I mean, I don't necessarily have any ideas right off the top of my head. Uh, I don't know that much about nuclear physics. I did take one class on it in college, which was really interesting, but I'm sure there's some use that some creative smart person is going to come up with for, what do we do with these spent fuel rods? They're still radioactive, maybe producing heat that can be utilized in some way. I don't know, but I think there's something there. And then let's switch topics quite a bit. Here's another thing that I haven't necessarily seen in the news too much as of late, but definitely is a problem, especially in the United States. And that's our prison system. It's full of people, you know, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, it, We often have repeat offenders, so people who go to prison typically end up going back to prison after they get out. Uh, So we're not there's not a system in place that's actually improving or rehabilitating these people in any way. And obviously, I know not everyone is going to be able to be rehabilitated, but I think we could do a lot better and and uh, reduce the amount of people who end up going back to prison by a significant margin, and that's going to benefit everybody. So you can reframe this problem as how can we design a prison system that recognizes the need for public safety, which is, you know, obviously a top priority, but also recognizes human dignity, 
uh, and it realizes the extreme need for rehabilitation with people who are finding themselves in pr- prison or making these bad decisions. And, you know, there's a lot of rehabilitation that needs to go on. So what if we could come up with a system that, you know, just throwing ideas out there right now gives them some sort of meaningful job, uh, work that they can do that actually benefits society. And then in that process, they gain meaning from doing work that's actually meaningful. They gain a little bit of uh, additional dignity or in self-worth. You know, I don't know necessarily what people need in prison. I'm not an expert, but I would assume that all of those things would help reduce the amount of people who end up going back to prison. And then they would also be uh, building a skill. So it's something that they could implement once they're out of prison and actually, you know, make money, hopefully in a non-illegal sort of way. Uh, So yeah, I think there's a lot of potential solutions. Uh, It is a big problem and we need to you know, that's something we need to teach the next generation, maybe become more educated ourselves of what the real problem is, and then be creative and thinking about new solutions and willing to implement them and give it a shot. Uh, something else that's on probably all of our minds this week is uh, voting systems. <laughs> this has caused a lot of chaos over the last uh, few elections, especially in the United States. Uh, You always hear things like, you know, you're voting for democracy or this is the most election, most important election in history. Or, you know, if if whatever side you're on doesn't win, there's always these claims of election fraud and, you know, we can't trust the voting system. And so instead of demonization and blaming of the other side, no matter what the outcome is, um, someone could design a system that regains the trust of society. And obviously, this is a very difficult problem. Uh, We haven't solved it yet. But it's also something that's really exciting. It's meaningful. And it's actually possible. Like, this isn't an impossible problem of how to uh, help people have more trust in the voting system and therefore more trust in the the government that is uh, governing their society. So... I think there is a bit of a process that we can uh, implement either whether we're teachers, whether you're a journalist, a writer, working at a news agency, whether you're a podcaster, just if you're someone who has, um, you know, the desire to teach, you have influence over some people, you're studying culture in some way, shape or form. I think there is a bit of a process that we can follow or that at least I'm suggesting. And that process would be, Number one, be honest about what is going on in the world. I think that's something right now that our society is really lacking. It's just being honest. No political agenda, no sensationalized nonsense about whatever to get more clicks. Uh, It's being honest about what you actually know or what is known and then being honest about what you don't know. I think... Sometimes, you know, you get one or the other with a lot of people. So being honest about what you know, and especially being honest about what you don't know. Uh, And then second, encourage and instill the attitude that these problems have solutions. And again, you don't have to 
push this from a political agenda point of view of like, well, there's a solution and it's electing this person and they're going to solve all your problems. That's not going to happen. Uh, I mean, maybe someone will be able to solve a lot of your problems through government, but that's uh, not something that I w- <laughs> you should hold your breath for. So, but it's encouraging uh, this attitude that these problems do have solutions, but it does take effort, takes a lot of time, and it's going to take a lot of creativity. So those are uh, some of the ideas that you kind of want to prime people with. Like, yeah, there's a solution, but you got to be willing to put in the effort and the time, the creativity, and hopefully, and I think in real life, there is often uh, a very strong monetary incentive as well to build those skills and to be willing to put in the effort. And then I think you need to frame the problem with a design thinking bias. And what I mean by that is when you're framing the problem, don't infer a solution. This is something that you learn a lot in design thinking or just in, I don't know, product development, coming up with new solutions, probably in whatever uh, industry you work in. But when you develop your problem statement, you don't want to infer a solution within the problem statement itself. So for example, with climate change, you could say like, you know, the well, the problem would be that the average temperature of the world is increasing due to too many combustion engine cars in the world. Okay, well, that problem statement basically just tells you, oh, the problem is combustion engine cars. You need to focus on that and get rid of those. Whereas that might actually not be where you need to focus. That might not be causing the problem at all. So it's a little too specific and it infers a solution in the problem. Uh, and then you also, you don't want to artificially constrain the solution. So you could, um, again, you could frame, let's go with climate change one more time, just because it's pretty easy to come up with these examples. Uh, but you could say that we don't have enough solar panels and batteries capable of storing electricity to reduce uh, climate change or to over- reduce overall temperature that the uh climate is going to increase. <clears throat> so there you're kind of artificially constraining yourself to solar energy and batteries, which is most likely not going to be the primary solution to you know, whatever's causing climate change. You can be on either side of it, but it's most likely solar energy and batteries will be some sort of helpful supplemental aspect of solving uh, these energy problems, but it's highly unlikely that they're going to be the core solution. So don't artificially constrain yourself in the way that you're uh, developing this problem statement. And then finally, uh, this is probably a little bit cliche, but I would say educate, don't indoctrinate. So education teaches people to think for themselves. You give them the tools to think for themselves and you tell them there are right and wrong answers. Uh, but indoctrination teaches people to think like us. Maybe you think you're really good at thinking and your ideas are really good. But if we still have all these problems right now, we obviously, (laughs) we don't want everyone after us to think like us because we haven't been able to solve these problems. We need people who think differently or more creative, more innovative, uh, figure out different ways to, uh, I don't know, make connections between physics and communications, or I don't know, but like connecting these ideas that maybe to you or to me seem completely separate from each other. 
Um, but they are able to be creative and make these you know, somewhat outlandish or difficult to difficult for us to come up with sort of ideas. Uh, and that's, you know, I've said that before, that's what creativity really is. It's its ability to connect things that seem seeming that are seemingly completely disconnected. Uh, I think I've said it better than that in the past, but that's essentially uh, what creativity is, being able to make these connections between things. Um, what we need is designers and engineers who understand physics, uh, who understand chemistry, the dynamics, mathematics, and are capable of implementing these in new, innovative, and yes, creative ways. So that is kind of the, uh, I don't know, that's what we want to instill in the next generation. It's what you want to instill in your company, what you want to instill in yourself. Uh, I mean, this doesn't necessarily have to be just middle schoolers and high schoolers. You know, we're always teaching other people. We're always learning ourselves. Uh, so this message really, I'm not trying to constrain it just to the next generation, although I do think that's important. Uh, because it's just the fact of life that older people have a lot of influence over the next generation. Uh, so I think it's important to uh, to implement these in that context uh, for sure, but not to constrain yourself to that. So in review, what my suggestion is, is number one, be honest. Number two, encourage. Number three, frame the problem well. And number four, educate not indoctrinate. And I think that is where I am going to uh, leave this episode. Uh, I hope that was a bit more uh, inspiring that, you know, the truth is there's a lot of problems in the world, but the flip side of that is there's a ton of opportunity for people to, uh, you know, quote unquote, be the hero to solve these problems, to make a name for themselves, you know, in the Around the turn of the century, late 1800s, 1900s, there was all of these problems in physics that hadn't been solved. And, you know, you had people like Schrodinger and Albert Einstein and, and Maxwell and all of these people who won you know, Nobel Prizes and are in the textbooks now for just their incredible advancements that they made in the fields of physics and mathematics and science in general. And sometimes I think people today... I feel like everything's figured out that there's nothing left really new to discover, but, and I'm not saying that there is, there is definitely a lot more new to discover, but there's also a lot of these problems that are, you know, surfacing or that we're becoming aware of that we were given the physics and the science and a lot of the knowledge to be able to solve by these you know, famous people like Albert Einstein. And we now have the responsibility and opportunity to take that information, that knowledge, and to apply it to these problems and solve them. And I think that's, I mean, I think it's going to happen. Humans are so good at solving problems. It's what we do. So, I mean, the question is, is who is going to make it happen and when is it going to happen? So I think that's the challenge is just trying to figure out how you can fit yourself into that uh, into that process and into uh, changing the world. As cliche as that sounds, I, I think there's a lot of small ways that we can all uh, do things to impact the world. And there's a lot of big things right now that honestly, someone's got to take a swing. Someone's got to go for it. So yeah, why not you? Why not me? Why not 
you know, encourage your kids, encourage your students, whoever it is to be that person to, to solve these big problems. So, okay. Yeah. With that, I am going to end this episode and I hope you all have a great week and hopefully all this election stuff doesn't drag you down too much. And yeah, make sure to stay tuned to the Design 30 YouTube channel. Uh, love it if you would subscribe to that. And there will be uh, some more videos being posted there. I'm trying to get a little bit more, uh, dive in a little bit more into the videos and you know, maybe doing some short little things on my whiteboard that I film and put up. I'm not 100% sure yet. Uh, but yeah, make sure to subscribe to that channel. And as I've been saying every week, follow the Design 30 Substack. I've got a lot of ideas that I want to write down and post there. So make sure to sign up for that and you can do it for free and you just get whatever I write directly into your inbox. What else? Uh, Instagram, I'm always posting things on there. So you can always find I don't know, more information, more updates on my Instagram page. And with that, I think that is everything. So one more time, thank you to Viper Outdoor Tools for being a supporter of the podcast. Go check out their stuff. There's going to be some new products dropping soon, which I'm very excited about. And yeah, have a great week, everybody. And we will talk to you next week.